This podcast contains mature content, including, but not limited to, profanity, sex, nudity, uh, wait, what? And the occasional spoiler. Oh, no. This episode contains content that may be triggering to some of our listeners. Please check the episode description for more information. Hey, Becky, how's it going? I'm good. How are you doing? What was that noise? You're like, ha! <laughs> <laughs> it's like an That's animated right. character Mickey or something. Mouse. Or <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to a gay, a bi, and a book. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! A gay, a bi, and a book. A gay, a bi, and a book. I'm okay. Today is my day off. Thank Woo-hoo. God. I needed a respite from my job and <laughs> other things. And But I've got a lot to do today that I'm just like, I don't want to leave that house. It's cold. I just want to hide. I understand. How about you? We're on day three of snow up here. Ugh. The kids are home from school, so they're thrilled. But yeah, my sliding scale of happiness went down a few notches. <laughs> Damn. I know. Uh, should we talk about a book? Might as well. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't got nothing else better to do. So what are we going to talk about today? Today we are diving back in with two of my very favorite characters. We're going to talk about Aristotle and Dante, Dive Into the Waters of the World by Benjamin Alirai Sines. Yay, here we go. I fucking love this book. I think I liked it better <laughs> than the original. You know... I think there are definitely places in this book where I was like, yeah, this is so much better than the first. The first was not bad by any means, but you've kind of grown with these characters. And so to see them in the second book, it's cool. I love this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You really feel like, okay, I know these characters. Right. I'm in this story with them. uh, Benjamin O'Leary Sines does a really good job of pulling you in his prose and showing you the lives of these two beautiful young men who are just figuring shit out in their young lives. And it's gorgeous. And I loved every second of it. And of course, it's narrated brilliantly by Lynn Mano Miranda. I loved everything about it. It's so well put together. The direction, the performance, the prose, the characters, the development, the story. I mean, there's not a second of the story where you're like, I'm bored. Mm -hmm. It doesn't slow down. They handle so much and it feels so natural. It doesn't feel like you're striving for a plot point. You're just living with these boys through this Mm -hmm. phase of their life. And it's just beautiful. Yeah. And he's he's such a good writer to begin with. Benjamin O'Leary Sines is uh, an award-winning author um, and poet. And I was listening to an interview that he was doing, and he was talking about how he never really intended to set off to write a sequel, but he was on a trip with his assistant, and they decided to take along the audiobook version of Ari and Dante. And as he was listening to it, he realized there were things about the story that he thought were incomplete. Mm-hmm. And the biggest reason that he wanted to write Waters of the World was that there was no AIDS in the first book. Yeah. That is such a huge part of queer history that he really felt like, oh my God, how could I have left that part out in a story set in that era? That was the biggest reason that he chose to begin work on a sequel, and I'm really, really glad he did. 
that makes so much sense. But also, the boys were still figuring out their sexuality in the first book. It's obviously a queer-themed book, but it wasn't like, here's two gay boys falling in love, you know? Mm-hmm. So AIDS, while there, wasn't probably at the forefront of their minds. I can understand how it wasn't a massive part of the story. In this second book, where you're following their relationship closer... And they're really diving into what it means to be in a queer relationship. I can absolutely see why AIDS is brought up so much more in this one. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me give you a little quick synopsis for this story. Aristotle and Dante dive into the waters of the world, picks up not too long after the events of the first book. They are entering their senior year of high school. It's from Ari's perspective, and he is really starting to question who he is. He's trying to navigate what it means to be queer, what it means to be gay, what it means to be Mexican-American, all of this discovering how people view someone like him. They're navigating their new relationship. They're navigating friendships. They're navigating their relationships with their family. And it's really a continuation of their journey into who they are. And you get a closer view of the men that they are growing to be. It's a really, really lovely story. There are some new friends in this book. There are family members we meet for the first time. And there are some really powerful moments. And not only are they growing and discovering who they are, but they also have to come to grips with grief and loss. Mm-hmm. And greater themes that are very impactful to their lives. And so it's a beautiful continuation of the story. Yeah, it's it's lovely. It has so many themes. You're right. There's growth and acceptance. And this one has a lot of loss and grief in it. The grief isn't always about the loss. Sometimes the grief is just about not being able to fully be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I never found myself down while reading it. There were definitely tears, of mm-hmm. course, with any Benjamin Alary science novel, there's going to be tears. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't one of those that you walked away and you were like, oh, my God, I don't want to pick it up. I'm so sad. You know, you wanted to see how they were growing. Yeah. The story's too hopeful. Right. To let you really feel depressed or sad for too long. Yeah. They were such great boys. And it was so nice to come back and see them again. You know, it feels weird calling them boys now because they are literally young men. Mm -hmm. They are really growing. It's such a neat evolution to see these characters become a little truer to themselves. It's really, really awesome. So at the beginning of the story, you find out that Dante is going to be a big brother. Dante is keeping a list of names that he wants to give to his mom to think about in consideration Mm -hmm for naming the baby. He's so excited about becoming a brother. At one point, he's so overcome with emotion that he cries. It's really sweet because you know he's going to be the best big brother ever. Mm. And when the baby's born, it really likes Ari. (laughs) It doesn't really give much of a shit about Dante. (laughs) It's funny because at the end, Dante's kind of like, yeah, he's here. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like the baby's here. Ari even asks Dante's dad, does he miss Dante? The dad's like, nah. Nah. (laughs) The baby coming along was such a crucial point for Dante because at one point he and Ari are talking and Ari's like, man, you are kind of obsessed with this. And you realize all these names you're listing sound very Mm -hmm. Mexican. Yes. Dante looks at him and he goes, I want him to be all of the things that I'm not. I want him to be good at math. I want him to be smart. And most of all, I want him to be straight. Straight. Yep. And it was just one of those moments where you're like, okay, from that point on, you're hoping the baby 
is a boy because you want that for him. You want him because he so desperately wants his parents to have a little bit of everything that he's not. Mm -hmm. And if they can just get it from this one kid, then Dante feels like he wouldn't have, I don't want to say disappointed his parents, but he wants them to have the opportunity to have the quote unquote normal child experience. Yeah, You know what I mean? But it was so heartbreaking to read it because you don't want him to hold that kind of guilt But it's a legitimate guilt that I think so many queer people come across at least once or twice in their journey. Especially then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he has this giant list of names like Rodrigo and (laughs) Gabriel and all of these things. They end up, true to form, naming the baby Sophocles. Sophocles. (laughs) I know. It's right on mark. On point, um, yeah. But man, what a horrible name. <laughs> You'll have a lot to unpack growing up with that name like Sophocles. Can you imagine like kindergarten? No, it's P-H. <laughs> it was really sweet to see Ari soften towards the idea of a, of a sibling too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ari has a lot of growth in this story. Ari really, really comes to a point where he is owning himself mm-hmm. a bit more. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that you see this is when he puts aside his own feelings in order to comfort an enemy. Because of that, he walks away with the ride or die friend. Cassandra. Yeah. yeah. So one of the themes of this book is, of course, the AIDS epidemic in the 1980s. There is a woman in the community who has lost a son due to AIDS. Mm. And everyone is saying, oh, he died of cancer. We're going to have this at his funeral and his obituary is going to say this and he died of cancer though but no he died of AIDS and that was just something that was being spread by a community of people that were prejudiced there's another lady in the community I forget her last name but Alvidres Mrs. Alvidres the bitch (laughs) she's going around and trying to get people to protest the fact that this particular church is in fact going to be hosting the funeral of a gay man who died of AIDS. Mm -hmm. Ari's mom rips her a new asshole. It's so lovely to see. Ari and his mom go to the home of this mother and she has another child named Cassandra. Ari and Cassandra fucking hate each other at school. They (laughs) hate each other. Yeah. And so she says, why don't you go talk to Cassandra? She's out in the back and she's really hurting. Ari's like, I'd rather have a root canal. (laughs) Thank you, mom. That sounds like a great idea. He goes out back and he sits with her and she's like, what the fuck are you doing here? (laughs) She's so welcoming. (laughs) She's dealing with grief. She's She's dealing dealing with a lot of grief. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. As they talk, they come to this sort of realization that they're really more alike than they ever thought before and that they share deep feelings Mm -hmm. that really kind of run in the same vein when it comes to loss and identity and being gay. There's this decision for forgiveness and friendship that's made in this very pactful way between them. Mm-hmm. Going on from there, they've got each other's backs through anything. They 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 talk at school together. They eat lunch together. That was one of my favorite things about this book was Ari's friendship with Cassandra. She was also the first person outside of family and Dante that he came out to. Absolutely. She was sitting there just ripping up and down. You don't understand. You're not queer. You don't understand. My brother's lost. People hate him because he's gay. You hate him because he was gay. And she's going on and on and on. And when she stops, he just looks at her and goes, I'm gay. Mm -hmm. You don't know anything about me. Their relationship changed. 
Yeah. Just the second that he was able to find that bit of honesty with her. And I remember him saying, I don't even know why I said this. Mm -hmm. I can't give any reason for saying this, but there's also no reason not to say it. Mm -hmm. She's so stunned by it. She's like, what? Yeah. She's like, are you kidding me? And then that's one thing that it's hard for me to imagine. And it makes me a little emotional talking about it because I can't imagine what it would have been like to come out that young. Mm. Benjamin Leary Sines, who is a gay man, also came out very late. He was married and lived with his wife for 15 years before he finally came out as gay. And he had been using his writing to process these feelings and for a really long time. And so to have the bravery to come out to someone that you don't like. And who could weaponize it against you potentially. Yeah, absolutely. I loved that for Ari. I found it really, really powerful. You know, in the past, we've kind of seen Ari had a tendency for self-sabotage. And there was an inkling in the back of my brain. Like, okay, did you just do that in hopes that she would just out you to everyone? But you really quickly see that that's not the point. That's not where I think he was going with this. I think mm -hmm. he was honestly just, first of all, you don't know jack shit about me. Stop trying to put me in a lane that I'm not in. Mm -hmm. Second of all, I know more about this than you understand. We're both grieving in different ways, and we're both experiencing a different kind of loss, but we're actually pretty damn close to being on the same page here. Absolutely. Far more connected than you ever thought we were. From there on, I just loved that she adopted him. It's much less mothery like his other friends. It's more little brother. Yeah, we're going to be friends, and I'm going to keep you on your toes, Buster. Right? <laughs> Whereas I feel like his other friends, their name has left. Gina and Susie. So Gina and Susie, I feel, are a little bit more mother hen with him, checking in on him, making sure mm -hmm. he's doing this and that. Whereas Cassandra's like, no bullshit, I'm your sister, ride yeah, or die type yeah. thing. Yeah. I love that relationship so much. Oh my gosh, so much. And she's instantly supportive of his relationship with Dante. Yeah. This book is such a fantasy because everybody in their lives is supportive mm. in their immediate in their circles. Yeah. Their families and their friends they're just so supportive. The parents are a dream. Oh my God, right? Dante's parents, duh. But even Ari's father, who you see from the first book, took a moment to kind of warm up to. And mm -hmm. Ari didn't know if he necessarily loved him. And that's another relationship that you see bloom a little more, is the relationship between Ari and his father. That's where the book really sort of takes a turn and punches you in the gut. God, yeah. One of the things that you learn in the first book is that Ari's brother Bernardo has gone to prison for murdering a trans woman. Mm -hmm. In the past, his family has attempted to see him, but he's so angry and he hates everybody. And, and it's left a hole in Ari's life for so long that he comes to a point where he is like, Mom, Dad, I want to get past this. I want to put Bernardo in my past, and the only way I can do that is by meeting him. Right. He's like, I think about him constantly. I need to just close that chapter. I need to be able to see it, experience it, and close it. Absolutely. He's able to communicate that to his parents in a way mm -hmm. where they're like, you're absolutely right. He takes a trip with his dad to the penitentiary to see Bernardo. After a few minutes of talking, Bernardo's kind of messing with him, but Ari doesn't become a doormat. He pushes back. All of a sudden, he comes to the realization, you're not anyone I want to know. Mm -hmm. I don't need this. Mm -hmm. He stands up and he walks out of there. Bernardo's behind him now, and he can confront it and move on. I see Bernardo a lot like I see Sophocles. I think Ari really needed to meet Bernardo. 
he's talking to him. He's like, you killed a woman. I don't understand how this would happen. You killed her. Mm -hmm. And Bernardo's like, that was not a her. Straight out. That was not a her. Part of me wondered if Ari was there to get some sort of sense of, is there a possibility that my brother could have been attracted to a queer person Mm -hmm. as well? You know, yeah. just kind of feeling out the waters. But the second he gets so violently angry, mm-hmm. first of all, you're so thankful that he's behind a partition and not in a room where he can physically get to Ari. But the language he uses and the the instant hatred that rolls off of Bernardo, just instant. And the fact that Ari wasn't even remotely afraid to say, I'm queer. Mm-hmm. I'm gay. He just wasn't even afraid of it. And it felt like he needed that opportunity to look at his brother and say, you may have hated queer people or you may have been queer and hated yourself so much that you did this. But I have you know, mom and dad still love me, first of all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm gay. Mm -hmm. And it was just that no stone unturned, have to have this chapter closed. Dante's opening a new chapter with his brother and the opportunity to have a new person in the house that might take some of the load off. Ari is closing his chapter. There is really no one else for this family. It is me. And it was just very powerful to see him step into that because he didn't let his brother's hatred push him further back into the closet. Mm -hmm. He stood in it in power and moved forward. And I was so proud of him. It was such a traumatic moment, but he handled it with such bravery. Well, and you know that his father's extremely proud of him too. Yeah. Their relationship really shifts. Mm Mm-hmm. They drive home and they really become more close than they have ever been before. Mm-hmm. And they listen to The Long and Winding Road, which is my favorite Beatles song. <laughs> I liked that in the first book, you had the conversation between Ari and his mom as they go to Aunt Ophelia's. Mm-hmm. And in the second book, you get the connection between Ari and his father as they're traveling to and from the prison. It was such a nice moment because in the first book, you definitely feel like by the end, Ari has connected with his father on a much better level. Mm -hmm. But in this one, there's like no, there's no second guessing it. Like they are obviously bonded. Mm -hmm. Which makes it all the more painful. Yeah. Okay, people, here come the tears. (laughs) <laughs> we'll see who <laughs> who starts spilling first. <laughs> Ari is at home and his dad walks in and he's clutching his chest and he falls and Ari catches him. He says Ari's mother's name and he dies in Ari's arms. And it's the first time outside of Aunt Ophelia that Ari has experienced this level of loss in his own life. As a reader, you're so thankful that they had that moment together where they hit the road and went to the prison. Mm. They had that sort of last hurrah. Last hurrah together. Yeah. And his mother is so grateful that if he had to go, he died in Ari's arms and Ari was right there for him. Yeah. And that's such a hard one because you don't want Ari to have more trauma. Mm-hmm. Literally holding your father as the life leaves him. What a horrible thing to have to remember. The weight of him, the way it all felt, the smell, the sight, the sound, Mm -hmm. everything. God, what a fucking traumatic thing to have to go through. But in the same breath, at least he was there with him. I think that helps him. I think that he was grateful to be the one. And I think that kind of reshaped that traumatic experience in his mind to where he's not having nightmares about his dad like he was with Bernardo. It was a peaceful thing. It was sad, but it was... 
another chapter ending. It really yeah, was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't any wondering of, was he in pain for a long time? Was he left out somewhere cold? Was he struggling? Mm-hmm. You know, He wasn't alone. You got all the final story right there and it was just done. And it sucks so It really bad. does. <laughs> oh my God. And yeah. you know, this is my second reread for this. And I, I still did not see this coming. Like I knew it happened. Mm-hmm. The second he came around the corner, I was like, oh, I forgot all about uh-huh, this. Uh-huh. I should have seen it coming in the truck. They're bonding. They're having these awesome conversations. And I should have seen it coming. Uh-huh. But I didn't. And I was just sitting there heaving with tears. <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. I knew it somewhere in my brain, but I had repressed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I repress it again? I'd like to unknow. <laughs> like for this to not happen. Right? It's really important to the story and to Ari's growth, but I don't like it. Yeah, it's it, it's hard. I mean, death is hard. Mm-hmm. It's interesting the impact that his death has on other people. The whole community mm-hmm. comes out in support of them. And it's very impactful to Dante's dad. Right. They were super good friends. Ari and Dante brought them together mm-hmm. and they were able to form a really close friendship. And... So it's like his dad has lost a friend and he lets Ari know, listen, I really, really loved your dad. And this is, this hurts. That's such a nice thing to see from a masculine point of view. You see a lot of tender moments in female friendships in print and in media, but to see a man grieving someone that he actually valued as a friend, Mm -hmm. you don't see that represented in media or in books. And it was such a real and raw moment. He excused himself from the room to go and hide his tears. And Ari sought him out and was like, you don't, I understand you're sad. Like, mm-hmm. And I think the moment of them just both openly expressing grief with one another was such a statement about the fact that grief doesn't have to be behind a wall and doesn't have to be private. And especially for men, like it can be forward, it can be open and it can be just earth shattering. And it can be because you lost someone you loved and it doesn't have to be a shameful thing for you to express loss and grief, no matter what gender you associate with. It spoke to me so deeply that he was so eloquent with his grief, but was also just very honest with it. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. Whew. <laughs> Speaking of grief, <laughs> when the book opens, Ari and Dante are trying to figure out how to get some alone time together. They are yes. still trying to navigate what they are together and how to physically be together. Mm-hmm. So their parents are like, hey, why don't you go camping? They give them a truck. They give them money and a tent and they just send them out. All the things. Just go out into the wild and fornicate. (laughs) (laughs) The most 80s parenting thing I've ever seen happen. Ever. Sure. Just disappear with no communication for (laughs) several days at a time with your boyfriend. That's fine. Nothing's going to happen. Right? (laughs) On their journey there, they stop and there's a gallerist that they happen upon and she's got art on the wall. You know, of course... Dante's like a thousand percent in his element in this place. Oh, yeah. Her name is Emma, by the way. Just immediately strikes up conversation with this woman, Emma, and they come to find out that her son is one of the artists in her gallery. 
mm-hmm. one of the items that they really hone in on is um, a painting with a poem on the back. They see this painting and it's quite striking. They're quite taken with it. Mm-hmm. And she takes, I believe, a letter from the back of the painting. Mm-hmm. And it's a poem that was written by her son. So we've come to find out that her son has created all this beautiful art and she's got art at home by him that she loves and she treasures. They're feeling this connection to this artwork and they're expressing this to her and she starts to tell the story of her son. He was queer and he was losing friends constantly in the battle with AIDS and it was just becoming too much for him to bear. He left a poem on the back of one of these paintings that the boys are so intrigued with and they go on and they camp and on the way back they're like let's stop and see Emma. Mm Mm-hmm. And they stop and see her again, and she gives them the painting. Do you happen to have the poem on hand, Joe? I do. Would you read that for us? I would. Now it's a bit long. I'll just take a break. You go go for it. Okay. This is not a painting, and this is not a poem. This is not the ocean, and this is not the sky. Words do not belong in a painting. Words of an art teacher who told me I would never be an artist. Poems do not belong in a painting, and I do not belong in the world. This is not a painting, and this is not my eye that cries in the night for a lover I never knew. This is not about my pain, nor about the loneliness of nights I endured in the solitude of my own prison. I'm going blind, and soon I will no longer be able to see. But what I saw and what I felt never mattered, and the eyes that look out to you will be gone. My eyes and my poems and my art do not matter. Not in a world where nothing can matter. My mother taught me that love was the only thing that mattered, and her love lives in my heart, and it is not something that can be bought or sold, and it is here in this painting and in this poem, and that is why this thing we call art matters. A man who loves another man does not matter because he's not a man, and his paintings and his poems and whatever he thinks or says or feels do not matter. That is what people believe. But those are lies, and I do not believe any of those lies. So I became an artist and a poet so I could paint and write the things that mattered, even if they only mattered to me. And that is the only thing that matters. There's a portion shortly after this in the book that says, Ari's um, reflecting, and he says, if Dante were a girl, and I were not gay, I would be imagining a future for us. But there is no imagining a future because the world we live in censored our imaginations and limited what was possible and what wasn't possible. There was no future for Ari and Dante. To imagine a future for Ari and Dante was fantasy. I didn't want to live my life in a fantasy. The world I wanted to live in didn't exist, and I was struggling to love the world I did live in. I wondered if I was strong enough or good enough to love the world that hated me. Deep stuff for a young man. They are mirrors of one another. Mm -hmm. And I think for Ari to see the end that Emma's son brought himself to and realize, okay, well, that's one option, but -hmm. it's not really the option for me. Right. It was interesting to see the parallels between their experiences and how they viewed the world because they were so similar until the very end where their mm-hmm. paths diverged. Yeah. It was such a powerful moment. And I sit there and I think about, you know, we think this is a poem written by someone else, but this is a poem written by Benjamin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
he wrote this book, but he also wrote that poem. And it struck me, these words are filled with such emotion. And to have been someone who was queer, but closeted or quietly queer or self-denying during the time of AIDS, ravaging the queer community Mm -hmm. to live quietly and in that guilt and shame, I feel like that's where so much of the power and emotion for that poem really, really comes from. Mm -hmm. And they're both very impacted by it. And uh, they're very honored when Emma gives them the painting and says, this is for both of you. The whole camping trip is very pivotal to, you know, their relationship and sharing the experience with Emma, making love for the first time, essentially. Mm-hmm. It's a lovely picture of them exploring their relationship and what it means to be intimate. And it's it's pretty. I like that you said exploring, because in this book, they often talk about becoming cartographers. Yes. Drawing new maps of the world that they experience. You know, their map of the world is going to be completely different from someone else's map of the world. It's such a fun theme to carry throughout because you can see where the dips and the dives and the turns are in their cartography. Mm -hmm. It was such a tangible way for people who maybe struggle with symbolism to see the journey that these boys are getting ready to embark on. You see them setting out and you see them understanding that they are getting ready to start to chart their own map and that the map that they've lived on for so long has gone a specific way. Mm -hmm. And it's up to them now to create their own path. And it was just very poignant. I really liked that symbolism. And I am very grateful that he put that in there. It's definitely a journey for the course of, you know, about a year, I I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a year, just like the last one. Mm-hmm. This book doesn't have a whole lot of Dante in it. I mean, he's in it, but it is definitely Ari-centric because he mm-hmm. is going through so much growth and so much self-exploration. One of my favorite moments is, you know, he has this great relationship with his mom. It kind of developed in the last book. and We see her just being, you are my child. I love you for who you are. There's never going to be any guess about that. If you are queer, you're queer. Mm-hmm. And there's this moment where Ari admits to his mom that he does love Dante and he's in tears and he's crying and he's like, I just, I I do. I love him. He says, sometimes I don't know who I am, mom, and I don't know what to do. She looks at him and she says, you're not a sin. Mm. You're a young man and you're my son. Mm -hmm. That is just so Ari's mom. Yeah. Yeah. I think... Between that moment and the moment with Mrs. Albedrez, where she's like, you can just leave my house. Just mm-hmm. get out and don't bring that negativity. <laughs> just drop dead, bitch. <laughs> yeah. But between those two moments, you just you get this little image of her all-encompassing love for her children. Mm-hmm. You never have any doubt that she's going to stand by him for the rest of his entire existence. That's true. I will have to say, there's a moment in the book where... She pisses me off mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because she outs him to his sisters and he's like, um, that wasn't your thing to say. And she's like, actually, I'm your mother. I can say whatever I want. And I'm just like, bitch, no. Hold the phone. There is that. I would say to that, it felt very 80s parenting. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot of focus back then on individualism, for me at least. Back in that day, you were a minor and your parents somewhat quote unquote owned you Mm -hmm. so his story was her story to her and it's a growth that she's gonna have to go through on her own but it felt very true to the times for a parent to be all like well no actually you're mine and i'll say whatever the heck i want about you 
That's really interesting that you say that because I did feel like I was owned. Yeah. I've never thought about that before. Wow. I've totally felt completely, yeah. You didn't become your own person until you were at least 18. And if you're in the Christian realm, you really never did become your own person. That's part of the reason I feel like closeting was such a big thing back then, because you were literally disowned. That immediate net of, okay, I have someone that will provide for me and they do everything for me. You're immediately disowned. And whether your ownership was a comfortable thing or an uncomfortable thing, it's still a loss. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that was one of the examples in the book where it was still like, okay, there's still progress to be made. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that every single Christian would have disowned their kid back then. No, not saying that at all. Yeah, yeah. I have this leftover rage. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at your anger. <laughs> no, 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 no. So it's funny. I've, I've talked about this before with friends, but I was prepared to be like, oh, mm-hmm. you're going to you're going to disown me. OK, fine. I'm cutting you the fuck out of my life. Suck on that. No loss to me. And when that didn't happen, I was like, I have all of this undispelled anger and so now it gets distributed <laughs> to friends. And so now like. <laughs> this friend, I fucking hate your family. And this friend, I fucking hate your family and their bitches and whores. And <laughs> How dare they not accept you? <laughs> In fact, <laughs> I now have a song that I sing. For example, I have a new villain song that I would sing for someone like Mrs. Alvidres, or and like in this case, I've sung it about my friend's family, you know, and, and all that stuff. Let's hear it. It goes like this. You're a super cunty bastard, dickhead, bitchy, winker, asshole. You graduated from the school of turds, so flip your tassel. Everybody hates you when your presence is a hassle. Super cunty bastard, dickhead, bitchy, winker, asshole. (laughs) (laughs) It's our new theme song. Oh my god, that is the best thing I have ever heard in my entire life. <gasps> Can I set that as my ringtone for Yes. <laughs> my god, Joe. <laughs> oh, thank you. Patting myself on the back. That was a work of art, my friend. Oh, thank you. Oh, Yay. oh my god. Perfect. <laughs> I love that. Oh my god. I can't wait to use that. Wow. I'm going to just revel in that moment. It's going to be the (laughs) most played portion of this entire podcast. (laughs) That's great. Well, we needed that, didn't we? We did need that. Yeah. (laughs) Pick it up a little bit. Right? The other thing that's brought up that we see this, the area of growth for Ari is the willingness to speak up. Yes. They deal with this teacher Mrs. Livermore. Mrs. Moore Liver. And that story had me creeped the fuck out. <laughs> it just was so Roald doll, Like, you could just imagine uh-huh. that. It really was, yeah. Quite the trunch bowl. Right? Very. They deal with a lot of racism at their school. The white teachers at their school are just bullshit. I mean... Well, and they have no idea how incredibly racist they're being. Well, Livermore doesn't. Oh, just at one point, he's he mentioned something along the lines of, 
did you leave your KKK cape at home? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, Oy. shit, man. Uh-huh. She's like, I don't know what you think I have to do with that organization. And I'm sitting here going, you may not have, but your parents were fully card-carrying members. <laughs> <laughs> this is behavior that is ingrained so deeply. She calls Hispanic students apathetic and lazy and untrainable. Mm-hmm. Horrific, horrific things. She's like, I've seen information that Mexican students can't handle educational circumstances. It's Susie that is like, can you tell me exactly where you got that information? <laughs> like, what study did you read? What, can you what cite academic your source, journal? Please? Yeah. And of course she can't. And then proceeds to grab the shovel and dig the <laughs> racist hole to the point where three of them end up in the principal's office after all agreeing that she's a racist bitch. The last one cracks me up, too, because like Ari and Susie, you see, you're like, yeah, OK, that makes sense. They're kind of being back talking. They're like walking out the door and this guy just goes, hey. Mrs. Livermore. And he just flips her off. <laughs> it's like, I want in on this too. I just would like to get out of this class, please. Uh-huh. But I really liked the fact that he was actually to the point where he was like, I'm comfortable enough in who I am to call you out. And I don't think Ari in the first book would have been anywhere near that. No, no. He just would have kind of sat there and observed other people stand up. Because he didn't feel like he had a place there. Mm-hmm. It really brings a lot of the themes... From the first book. They all tie up very neatly Mm -hmm. here. You even see him address his physical anger. In the beginning of the book, he winds up punching someone. Mm, Defending a a smaller kid. Right. And it's, again, what he did for Dante in the last book, defending Mm -hmm. someone he cared about. At the end of the book, you can really see that he's just become this gentleman. He's really rounding out his character arc. And it's just such a nice way to tie it all together. The first book ended on such a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. We spent this entire time going on this journey with them and they're developing and growing as young men. They finally come to their relationship at the very end of the book. Mm-hmm. While I love Dante and I wanted more of Dante in this book, I cannot fault any part of this book for being Ari-centric. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was the one with the most growth. He was the one with the most trauma to work through. To have this second book to really tie it all together, I didn't know that I needed that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I'm very grateful to Benjamin for this novel. To see them tie the whole story and the whole character arc together was really, really satisfying. Mm-hmm. The way that it happened was interesting, too. Because I did not expect it to end in Paris. Yeah. Dante is an artist, and there's been a piece that he's been working on that he has not let Ari see. Well, mm-hmm. through the course of the book, you discover that Dante is considering applying for this scholarship slash position at an art school in Paris. And he gets it, but tells Ari he's not going to take it. Because he wants to spend the summer with Ari. And Ari's like, are you kidding me? This is too big. You can't give this up. That causes a fight. And Dante does not talk to Ari for weeks. Ari reaches out a few times, but Dante doesn't want to talk to him. Finally, the day before Dante is going to leave, he calls him and they meet up. It's a, we would never have worked out. We don't have a future. I do care for you, but I'm leaving tomorrow. If you love him, let him go type situation. Exactly. And Ari just straight up says, I love you. And it's like he needs him to know that so badly. And he's crying and he says, I love you. 
And that's that. And the next thing you know, he's uh, spending time with his friends and he has a revelation. It's like, what did I just let go? Yeah. I'm going to Paris. I'm going to go get him. He plans this trip to Paris. Dante's parents have a family friend that lives in Paris. So they arrange for him to be his guide, essentially. Mm-hmm. One of the things that Ari and Dante talk about somewhere in the book is their favorite painting. They both share their favorite, which is the Raft of Medusa. They arrange to meet at this museum in front of this painting that means so much to the both of them. Mm -hmm. They meet and they're both staring at the painting and they turn to each other and they kiss in public. It's such a beautiful ending to their story. And the first time I read it, I was a little thrown off by the Mm -hmm. ending and the change in atmosphere Right, that I was a little put off by it, but it worked for me the second pass. Yeah. I really thought it was special and I, uh, I enjoyed it. I'm kind of the same way. The first time I didn't quite understand what just happened. Mm-hmm. It felt like it came out of nowhere. Yeah. On the second pass, I realized we've been focusing so much on the growth that Ari's doing privately and doing on his own that we're missing this bit of Dante. Mm-hmm. You get little glimpses of it, you know, his paintings in his room or his art in his room. And he talks about wanting to go to an art college here and there. But it's like a lower level backstory. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like conversation in the room when you're trying to listen to something. Like you hear it, but you're not fully processing it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of going on throughout the whole story. You're hearing a little bit more about life after high school and things like that. So the second time around, it was very interesting to me because, okay, we've been focusing on Ari and Ari's story, but Dante's also living a story at the same time. And the very end in Paris is like where it feels like they finally put their hands together and the stories. Mm-hmm. became a one mm-hmm. the whole time they've been on this journey but we've only been seeing one path mm-hmm. i liked it but yeah definitely the first time i was very confused how we went from ari and dante to lie with me uh-huh felt a little jarring the first time yeah i also love that the painting that dante has been working on is revealed mm-hmm. when dante leaves he goes over to his parents' house, they're like, Ari, he left this for you. And it's the painting of them out in the desert under a starry sky. And mm-hmm. that's his sort of parting gift. And and it's a beautiful painting. He's very taken by it and moved by it. It made me think of the covers of the book. Yes. It just felt very vast and extraordinary mm-hmm. and creating their own little universe. So how would you rate Aristotle and Dante dive into the waters of the world? I feel like I always go into like some long-winded explanation of my rating at this mm-hmm. point. And everyone's like, oh, God, here she goes again. And I did struggle at the first pass because I felt like there was a lot of internalized homophobia in Ari in the very beginning of the book. I didn't get that so much the second time around. I think I may have personally been dealing with things mm-hmm. the first time I read it and I was projecting. A solid five for me. Mm-hmm. There was a moment where I was like, hmm, 4.5. And then I was like, what's the point? <laughs> like, Yeah. It was great. I could go on and on about this book. So it's it's five stars. And I mean, stars for me. So I give it five stars as well. Good. Either that or you'd have to leave the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to kick you off. Kick me out. <laughs> Kicking my ass out. Well, I'm glad that we read this. And I'm so glad that we have been able to share these books with the audience that we do have. I'm so 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So grateful that we get to have these discussions. <laughs> I was thinking about it the other day. When we first started talking books, it was just, hey, Joe, have you read this? You know, you've mm-hmm. got to read this book. is so great. And I remember the first time we were talking and we got more in depth about books and you were telling me about Dream Boy. Oh, yeah. By Jim Grimsley. Ugh. And I was like, we have to have some conversations because we're feeling the same things mm-hmm. <laughs> about these yeah. books. It was so much more than Alex and Henry are so funny. It was like there's levels mm-hmm. to these oh, yeah. conversations. And I'm so grateful that we get to do this on a regular because while there are some books that are just like Alex and Henry had a funny chuckle fest, there are books like these. And I truly love our conversations when it comes to books like these. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. And I like it when we agree. (laughs) (laughs) That's always nice, right? Yeah, yeah. All righty. Well, you can find us on social media. We are on what, Becky? Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Agaya buy a book. And then we have Gmail. We do have Gmail. Which we read and oftentimes just completely forget to reply. Mm-hmm. So thank you for the emails, those of you that send them. book at gmail.com. And do you want to try the anchor or shall I? I can do the anchor. Go for it. You can listen to us, drop us a voice message, all the things at anchor.fm forward slash book. Perfection. Come back and join us next Wednesday for a what now? Hump day quickie. A quickie quickie. Yay. We will be here and we will be very queer, I'm sure. Everyone, thank you for joining us today. We hope we didn't make you cry too badly. Yes. Please go out and listen to or and or read Aristotle and Dante Dive Into the Waters of the World by Benjamin Elliary Sainz. Do it now. You really want to. Pop over to his social media. Give him a great big hug. Tell him thank you. Mm-hmm. And we are just very grateful that we had you here today. So we'll see you next time. Yep. Bye. Okay. Okay. I'll buy the book. Okay. I'll buy the book. Super cutty bastard, dickhead, bitchy, winker, asshole.